The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here tonight. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2 together, if you would. And I'll begin reading at verse number 1. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. If, they, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So we can see here from this first, these first few verses, Paul is talking about the mind of the believer, or if you'll allow me, I'll call it the heart of the believer. Uh, more directly, maybe we could say the attitude of the believer. Then in verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not also in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have tonight. I pray that you would instruct us from your word. I pray that we would be challenged and stirred to, to live our lives as faithful, loyal servants to you. Bless us now as we... As we preach your word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to us a little bit about this mind that Paul referred to, this heart, this attitude of servitude, this attitude of the servant tonight. Now, there have been some great servants of the Lord as recorded in scriptures. Uh, we, we, we see Noah in the Bible, and Noah faithfully served the Lord for 120 years building the ark and preaching the, the, the word of the Lord and warning people. 120 years he faithfully served. We see Abraham in the Bible, and Abraham, of course, is, is named the father of the faithful. And while we see and recorded in Scripture that Abraham wasn't always perfect, we know that he was a man who was faithful to God and faithful to serve him in his life. Uh, Joseph. We read of Joseph in the Bible, and Joseph was certainly a, 
a faithful servant of God, sold into slavery by his brothers in Egypt. Joseph uh, spent 93 years of his life in Egypt. He died at the age of 110. He was sold into captivity at the age of 17. And in all that time, Joseph was faithful and he was a good servant unto the Lord. Well, we read of King David in the Bible. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. And David loved the Lord. And, and surely we know David wasn't perfect. But he, he, lived a life of, he lived a faithful life to his Lord and served him throughout his life. Daniel. We see Daniel in the scripture. Daniel, it is said, was preferred above all the men in the kingdom because an excellent spirit was in him. David, uh, Daniel was a, was, a, was a faithful servant, and, and we, could look to, we could look to him to, for our example in being a servant. John the Baptist. John the Baptist was declared by Jesus himself to be the greatest man ever born of woman. Jesus himself stated there was none greater than John the Baptist. So certainly we could look to any of these men. We could turn to any of these men and go to the scriptures and, and find attributes and characteristics that would encourage us to be good and faithful servants of, of, of the Father. But I can think of none better. And I'm sure no one here would argue with me that there is no better example of being a faithful servant, of the heart of a servant, than Jesus Christ himself. In our text tonight, Paul describes the attitude of Christ as a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, which we just read, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This attitude that Jesus had, this, this, this uh, spirit of servants, of being a servant that Jesus had, is, is what we need. It's what we need to adopt into our lives. It's what we need to fashion ourselves after. Now tonight I'm not going to I'm not going to give you something you've never heard before or that you don't already know. But you know there's something interesting about about us as men we become complacent and when we get too complacent we become a little apathetic and when we we become too apathetic we become forgetful. And we forget some of the things that are so important. And we have to be reminded every now and then about those things that are really important. And that's what I want to do tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about the heart of a servant. Um, I have here a glass of water. It serves two purposes. One, it's going to quench my thirst. But two, I wanted us to see the purity of water. Water is, is clear, right? Of course, now... I can take you to some places where you pour a glass of water, it won't be so clear. But I think you know what I'm talking about, the purity of, of the glass of water. And this, this is kind of like the example of Christ. It's, it's clean, it's pure, it's refreshing, it's, 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 it serves great purposes. But over the, over the decades and over the, over the centuries, our, our Christianity in America has become corrupted. It's become polluted by secular humanism. It's become polluted by, by liberalism and other things. And, and, and today, our, our um, what do I want to call it, our spirit of service today is more self-serving than 
Christ serving. A lot of Christians today are more concerned with what they get out of Christianity rather than what they can give to the Lord themselves. So I want to look at, I want to look at the pure heart of Christ tonight as a servant. Uh, Paul, Paul addresses that in Philippians chapter 2 for us. So let me, let, me, let me just make a few observations tonight. and I'll, I'll be as brief as I can and we'll be done. Number one, the heart of a servant is a submissive heart. It's a submissive heart. In Philippians chapter 2, we read a moment ago in verses 6 and 7, we read, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Now Jesus in his human form, did not lose his deity. He was every bit God while being man. In Genesis, uh, all the way back in the book of Genesis, the, the Lord told Adam and Eve that, that uh, he would bring forth a, a, a man-child born of woman, uh, and, and, and that man-child would be the savior of the world. And this, of course, is pointing, pointing to the, the virgin birth of Christ, is pointing to Christ's uh, manhood, his, his form as a man on this earth. So, yes, Jesus was a man. He was born, he was born from Eve, and, and therefore he bore the physical characteristics of a human being, but he did not bear any of the sinful nature of man. It is very important that we understand while he did become flesh, he did not inherit sinful flesh. He did not inherit man's sinful nature. He was every bit God while being every bit man. His flesh was, was not corrupt as ours is. His flesh was not subject to sin as we are. He possessed all the attributes of God. And as such, he deserved all the honor and glory of God. But, he willingly laid it all aside and became submissive as a servant. We just, we just read it. Look at it again in, in verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He became submissive. He was God. He deserved to be praised and worshipped and honored as God. But he laid aside all of, his, all of his authority and took upon himself the form of a servant. Now, to be submissive means to be ready to conform to the authority or to the will of another. So, the Creator God... Uh, the sovereign king of kings submitted in his flesh to the authority of the Father and conformed to his will. Now, if Jesus was prepared to do that as a servant, don't you think you and I must also do the same? If we're going to be good and faithful servants of Christ, we are going to have to submit to the authority of our master. We're going to have to conform to his expectations. 
In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I've never sat under the preaching of a prosperity preacher. I can honestly tell you right now, I've never even listened to a TV preacher for more than two or three minutes total. I usually can't stand to listen to them for more than that. But I'm, I'm almost positive you probably never hear them preaching this verse. You see, because they don't want to be conformed to the will of the Father. They want, they want to be conformed to the world. Because they're self-centered, and, and that's what they're concerned about. They're not submissive. They're not interested in being submissive to God the Father. It's not, Lord, what can I do for you? It's, Lord, what are you going to do for me? So if I become, a, if I be, become one of your followers, what are you going to do for me? And, and that's basically what they try to preach, isn't it? If you get saved, God's going to take care of this, and God's going to give you that, and... There was a country western singer who wrote a song, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Huh? How many of you ever heard that? God didn't promise us anything like that when we get saved, did he? No, no. As a matter of fact, pastor was preaching this morning. I thought about that. I jotted down a few things. What, what, did, what did the scripture tell us we will receive because of our salvation? Uh, hatred. Uh, people will despise us. Suffering. Sorrow. Uh, sacrifices. Burdens. These are the things God's word tells us we're going to receive as a Christian in this life. But we're to submit. We're, we're, to be, we're going to have to learn to submit to the authority of our Father. We're, we're going to have to conform to his expectations. Uh, newsflash, God does have expectations for his people. He, he, he's got a whole book called Leviticus, and those are the laws of God. Now, now we're not bound to those laws as, as, as if we were unsaved. We're under a greater law, right? We're under the law of grace. But God has enabled us to obey his law. God has expectations for his people. There are so many today who claim to be servants of God, but they fail to submit to him. They deny his authority over their life. There's so many who, there's so many believers today who, who go about this world <laughs> and they, they deny God's authority, uh, choosing rather to, to chase after their own desires and passions. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. We are, we are a purchased people. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He died for our salvation, and he purchased us with his own blood. And we are his, and we belong to him. And our lives are his, and he has the authority to command us to do the things he would have us do. And we are to submit to that. <laughs> The heart of a servant is a, is a submissive heart. And Jesus showed us how to be submissive by submitting in his human form, by submitting to the will of the Father, and, and, and by, uh, by submitting to his authority. 
But there are those who fail to submit to God. Secondly, they fail to conform to his expectations. Not only do they not only do they deny his authority over their life, but they fail to conform to his expectations. Paul spoke of this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And there are those who claim to be people of God and claim to be servants of Christ, yet they are self-serving and they fail to conform to the expectations of the Father in their life. As believers, we have become corrupted today by the philosophies of the world. Philosophy that says authority is corrupt. And authority is subject to scrutiny and suspicion. And we have developed the attitude, no one is going to tell me what to do. And this includes God, by the way. If we won't submit ourselves to the authority of the church, then how can we expect anyone to believe that we are submitting to the authority of the Father? Jesus says, if you can't love your brother who you do see, how will you ever love your father who you cannot see? And if we, if we are not in submission to the church, which is the bride of Christ on earth, then how can we be in submission to the father? We can't be. Jesus set the example for us. Though he possessed all the power and authority as God, he became submissive and yielded in his human flesh. So first tonight, I want you to examine your own heart. Are you submissive to God? Do you submit to God's authority over your life? Do you conform to the expectations of God? If so, praise the Lord and keep on doing so. If not, then transform your behavior tonight by renewing your mind concerning these things. So first tonight, we see that a servant's heart is a submissive heart. But then secondly, in following the example of Christ, I want us to see that it's a humble heart. Look with me again at Philippians chapter 2 and look at verse 8. In verse 8, we see, in being found in fashion as a man... He humbled himself. Now, to be humble means to have a modest estimate of one's own importance. Um, Jesus, the Bible says, humbled himself before all men. He, he did not demand, now listen to me carefully, he had, he had all authority and all right to be worshipped and honored and praised, did he not? But, he did not demand to be worshipped by men. He did not insist that men recognize his authority. As a man, he became humble before God the Father. He, the Bible says, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he knew that he was an equal part of the Godhead, 
yet he humbled himself. He did not puff up in pride. He accepted his role as our sacrifice. Now, this is really hard for you and me to do tonight. It is one thing to say that we are humble and to meekly go through life without all the attention we think we deserve. But it is another thing altogether to be hated and despised of men. In Isaiah 53 and chapter 3, uh, verse 3, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, concerning Christ, he writes, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. I mean, we are okay when we don't receive praise and adoration. Hmm? I mean, everybody likes a pat on the back, right? But if we don't get that, we're okay with that. We can sit in our pews every Sunday and, and really never be recognized for anything that we did. And, and we're okay with that. And we, we consider that to be humility. But let somebody speak badly of us. Let someone mistreat us just a little bit. And watch the pride come pouring out of us like a roaring lion. Now everybody's looking at me like, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's, it's one thing to go around and, 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 and say, well, I'm a humble Christian, so I'm just... And nobody really recognizes you, and you say, well, it's okay, that's my price to pay. But over here, somebody's saying something bad about you, and what happens? Wow. Look out. I've seen it happen, folks. I've seen and, and and if you spend as much time in the ministry as I have, you'd have seen it too. Our pride comes out like a like a roaring lion, and we become we become upset and angry. And this was not the heart of Christ, was it? Christ was hated. He was reviled. He was rejected of men. He he was spit upon. He was beaten. Men despised him, yet he remained humble before his father. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We have to watch out for pride. Proverbs 16, 18 warns us, Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You know, sometimes we need to be put in our place. Do you ever think of that? I want to show you something. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Let's all, let's all turn to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16, and let's begin reading at verse 5. We read here, And when King David came to uh, Behurim, behold, that thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David. 
and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. So you see, um, Abishai was, was the roaring lion for David. He said, Let me go cut his head off. That'll stop his noise. And the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? <clears throat> so let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall say then, wherefore hast thou done so? <laughs> and David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. Now we see here, <coughs> as, as David is leaving the city, Rather than confront his son Absalom, David is fleeing from the city. And, and here is this man Shimei, and he's cursing King David. He's running along, uh, and he's throwing stones at him, and he's saying, You bloody man, you bloody man, you're getting what you deserved. You deserve all this trouble. And Abishai says, Let me go over there and kill him. Let me just shut him up. And David said, You know, maybe God sent him to do this. <coughs> maybe. David, David, allow me to, allow me a little liberty. Maybe David said, you know what, maybe, maybe I got just a little too proud. Maybe I started thinking a little bit too much of myself. And this is the Lord's way of humbling me. Leave him alone. Let him curse. Humility is not abasement or, or to behave in a way that lowers yourself your sense of dignity or self-esteem. It's not mistreating yourself. It's not even denying yourself. Humility is a realistic view of your own self-worth. David said, you know what? I, I needed this. I need to be, I need Shimei to put me back in my place because I got a little bit too big for my own britches. You ever hear your grandma say that? You're too big for your britches. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Romans 7.24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this, of this death? Romans chapter 7, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Humility will cause us to see ourselves as God sees us. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And when we, when, when we humble ourselves, we see ourselves as we are, sinners before God. It's not, it's not to go around punishing ourselves or, or mistreating ourselves or, or feeling sorry for ourselves. 
That's not humility. Humility is saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm before you and I'm guilty. It's seeing ourselves as God sees us. It's not, it's not becoming all puffed up in pride, thinking that we deserve more than we, than we deserve. Humility is, is, is having our proper place before God. And, and Jesus, though he was God, Jesus, though he deserved and, and should have been worshipped by all men, he did not demand it. He did not, he did not uh, covet it. He humbled himself before God. He accepted his role as the sacrifice. He, he knew that he would be hated and despised and rejected. And he accepted that because it was the will of the Father. And he humbled himself before his own Father. And that's what we need to do. I've known those who profess to be humble, but in truth they are filled with pride, boasting about their own humility. Let us learn what true humility is and let us learn to walk in humility. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm anybody special tonight. I'm, I don't even know why pastor asked me to do this. I don't know why God allows me to do this. But I do know this. I'm thankful to serve him. And I'm thankful that he does use me. But I know who I am and I know what I am. And I, I, I'm so thankful to the Lord for his grace in my life, and we're to be humble. A servant's heart is a submissive heart. A servant's heart is a humble heart. But then thirdly and lastly tonight, it is an obedient heart. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, we read, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient unto death. This implies that Jesus withheld nothing, not even his own life. Now, this is an important lesson for us to learn. Because it's real easy to obey when it doesn't cost us anything. But when the cost becomes too great, our willingness to obey becomes challenged. Now, a good servant obeys his master regardless of the personal cost. I think about Job. You know, Job, Job was, a, was, a, was a, a, an upright man, the Bible says. And Job, in chapter 13 of his book, verse 15, he states, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job was a man who, who, who was obedient unto the Lord, even if it cost him his own life. Job was prepared, Job was prepared to die to obey his father, to obey the Lord. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul talks about this. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul was, Paul was willing to pay whatever it cost him to, to follow the Lord and, and to obey the Lord. Jesus certainly knew the cost of his obedience to the Father's will, and that cost was the cross. Now, crucifixion was usually intended to provide a death that was particularly slow 
extremely painful, gruesome, humiliating, and public. Crucifixion used whatever means were most expedient for that goal. Now, while a crucifixion was an execution, it was also a humiliation. And the victim of crucifixion, crucifixion was, was, the intent was to humiliate him or her before all the people. And it did, it did this by making them as vulnerable as possible. Usually they were stripped and they were, they were, they were usually not nailed, but most of the time they were trussed to a cross and they were put up there in the heat and, and excruciating and they couldn't breathe with their arms stretched out and, and they would throw stones at them and the guards would come along with their spears and stab at them and, and it was a, it was an excruciating and extremely humiliating process. And Jesus knew that this is what awaited him. The death on the cross, the crucifixion of the cross. By the way, no one ever survived the cross. No one survived the cross. You remember the thieves that hung on Jesus' right hand and left hand? They weren't dying fast enough, so what did they do? They went and broke their legs to speed up the process. The, the crucifixion was a death sentence. No one ever survived the cross. But scripture tells us that he became obedient even unto this end. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 we read, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now think about this for a moment. Could you pay such a cost? Could I? Could we, could we endure such suffering and, and could we pay such a cost to obey the Father? You know, many, many men and women through the centuries were called upon to, make, to, make that, to pay that price. The cost of death, the martyrs. Many men gave their lives and women gave their lives to obey the Father. But there are some factors that challenge us and far too many for me to list, but I'm just going to mention two tonight and we'll be done. One of the first factors that challenge our obedience is fear. Fear. We're just, we're just afraid. We're afraid to pay the cost. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, I send to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I send to you, fear him. Jesus, I'm sure, in his human form, feared the torment of the cross. After all, he was human, and he felt pain and suffering just like you and I. But this fear did not turn him from his obedience to the will of God. I'm sure as the martyrs over the years were, were brought out to the, to the death of, of, a, of a fire or, or were, were uh, suffered some of the great indignities that they suffered uh, during, during the, their martyrdom, I'm sure they were afraid to face that, but yet they stood faithful to their father and they endured that price. Because you see, when, when the time comes down, God gives you the strength and the courage. 
He, his grace gives you whatever you need. And we just have to overcome that fear. But then the second cause that men disobey or fail in obedience is because of selfishness. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Jesus did not consider his life more valuable than yours or mine. He, mentioned, he told Peter in Matthew chapter 26 and verses 53 and 54, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Jesus did not value his life more than, than yours or mine. He was selfless. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 35 we read, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And he could have saved himself if he chose to, but he chose not to, because he, he was obeying the Father's will and he did not value his own life above your life or my life. And there are other reasons, too, that why we fail. But as I said, we don't have time to examine them all. But tonight, as we sit here, we must ask and answer the question of ourselves. Am I a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? And only you can answer that, by the way. Are you a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? As Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you have the heart of a servant tonight? Are you submissive to the Father tonight? Are you, are you humble before God tonight? Are you obedient to God tonight? These, these are the attributes of the heart of a good servant. I can only hope and pray that, that I am a good servant to the Lord. I, I, I can only do what I can do given God's example of Christ. Let us learn these things tonight. Let us, let us glean from the life of Christ and let us be good and faithful servants to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had and Lord... As we examine our hearts tonight, I do pray that we, that we possess these attributes that Jesus did. And Lord, you've made, them, you've made them accessible to us. You've given us all that we need in, in order to do these things. So it's now, Father, it's just a matter of our, of our submission and of our humility and of our obedience. Help us tonight to be good and faithful servants. Help us to have the mind of Christ. Concerning these things, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. 
Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.